0: Hi, my name is Shadrach Philip-Floria, and I'm an MYP Curriculum Manager at the International Baccalaureate. Welcome to the IB Voices Podcast. Today, we're talking with Allison Yang and Reese Tyres from KIS International School about an alternative system to giving student feedback that they tested out in an MYP Year 5 Language and Literature course. Instead of teachers deciding what feedback to give students, they had students choose. The students used the subject criterion to determine specifically what areas and skills that they wanted teachers to help them improve. This gave students agency over the feedback process. Later, student reflections were incorporated directly into student progress reports.
1: I'm Allison. I'm the MYP Curriculum Coordinator at CAER International School, Bangkok, Thailand. Our school is an uh, independent and private international school. We cater for age 3 to 19. We are an IB continuing school offering PYP, MYP, and DP and it's quite a diverse student body. We have 57 nationalities and 45% of being Thai nationals and 55% being international.
2: My name's Reese, and I'm from uh, Melbourne, Australia. I've been working in international education for over 20 years. I've been at KIS for almost three years. I teach language and literature to MYP and DP.
0: Tell us about your research project.
1: Our research project is about formative assessment and feedback. This was initiated in 2017 in an effort to foster student and teacher self-regulation and well-being. The aim of the action research is to investigate how implementing a systematized formative assessment and feedback process model can engage students proactively with the feedback and simultaneously promote teacher agency. Because very often we do feel students are not really engaged with the feedback and yet teachers spend lots of time giving students feedback. So the design is based on communication focus. It's a communication framework that promotes teachers and students being intentional, fostering craftsmanship and developing collaborative partnership. Intentionality, craftsmanship, and collaboration are the cornerstone of the development for both students and teachers.
0: Reese, how did the student-directed feedback process work in the classroom? So um, what
2: we did with the students, it took some time to explain it to them, what, what they were going to go through. But they seemed to be very excited about the whole process because they were being scrutinized, but in a very positive way. So the way that it looked was, we would set up a task for them and then the students would be requesting the type of feedback that they would want on a particular piece of work that they were doing. So we would give them the task specific clarifications, we would tell them what strands they were going to be assessed on, explain it to the students, change the language, put it into a language that is much more um, digestible for them, and then they would request the type of feedback that they wanted. And this is where the interaction between the teacher and the student began so um, a lot of it is a conversation between the student and the teacher but it's also a relationship or a conversation between the student and the learning process because we were giving them up to three levels of feedback so for example as a language and literature teacher the students were constructing an essay the first step was to do an outline So they would say on feedback on these aspects of my outline, they would get feedback on that, then they would act on that feedback to draft from the outline. And then again, they would request feedback on their draft, they would get feedback on their draft, and they would act on that to do their final essay.
0: What were your key findings or how did the students respond to your project?
2: Um, The students were very motivated, I think, they felt very involved. Um, Allison came in and observed most of my lessons while, while the project was going on. So we were checking in with the students constantly in every lesson um, that I was teaching. They learned a lot through the process. Um, interestingly enough, I, I teach a lot of the students in DP now. So they've moved on from this heavily scaffolded approach to a less scaffolded approach in DP. And now they self-regulate with Without the scaffolding, so I don't give them the same framework to use. They have acquired the framework, and when they come to for a consultation at my desk, they've got their phones out recording it. They're asking the same questions that they asked during the project, so they have um, acquired the skills, and the skills are transferable into new contexts.
1: Also, one of the biggest enlightenment for me is actually we talk about you know it's actually relationship before pedagogy when you have the students set specific learning goals, they actually have to think about what their strengths and weakness are. And very often, a lot of students don't know what their strengths and weakness are. So through that coaching, through that conversation, students actually appreciate it. Teacher is actually to spend time reading my goals and giving me feedback for in the areas I decided I want to improve and that shows teacher cares about me. So through the Interview with the students, many students actually express they really appreciate the teachers spend time working with them, give them positive feedback and identify the areas that really can help them to develop. And that really distinguish the differences between targeted feedback versus just a generic feedback other teachers provided.
2: Yeah, it's a very um, sophisticated conversation you have with the students because you're not just saying you did this wrong and you did this right you know their history because you've been through the process with them. So if they're working on a 1200 word essay, you've been there from the brainstorming stage all the way through to the polished product and you've had these in-depth conversations along the way. So you get to know all the students' strengths, but also the things that they need to work on. And more importantly, they become aware of both of these things.
0: When determining the type of feedback they wanted, Did students find the language and literature subject criterion or the specific approaches to learning helpful?
2: Yes, very much so. I actually have a graphic at the top of the document for the students. So before they even write their first request for feedback, because the students construct their own request for feedback, they're reminded of what the ATLs are and how they can possibly use them. So we model it for them. But then we go through and talk about, well, how would research relate to this particular skill? What sort of communication are you going to be using? How are you going to phrase this, etc?
1: Uh, to adding to this, I think one of the key points is how do you make the assessment information visible to students to develop their assessment capability? So, making the ATO's UR explicit teaching throughout a unit visible to students, we also create assessment roadmap to show students how each formative assessment is linking to the summative. So in that way, we are helping kids building connections between formative leading to summative rather than only focusing on summative. And then they never pay attention to the value and purpose of formative assessment.
0: What were the motivations for your project?
1: Well, from a coordinator perspective, AKIS, we publish progress report cards in October and March, and we call them progress report cards, which is involve teachers provide narrative comments. So very often USC teachers are working really hard providing feedback to students work. And also after that feedback immediately, they have to write a comment for the report cards. So the stress level of the teachers is intense. They have to write feedback for students and also generate comments. Another difficulty is parents don't necessarily understand the feedback and the feedback is often too late offering to students. So that's my motivation. I am to reduce that stress level for the students, parents and our teachers. And now, let Reese talk about from his teacher's perspective of why you get into the project with me.
2: OK, yes, yeah, so one of the issues with narrative report cards is I always um, have believed that they come too late. If students are unable to react to feedback, It's fairly redundant. So we spend all of this time writing fairly generic narrative report cards, because we don't have a lot of time. And the students don't read them, the parents very rarely read them, and they look nice on paper, but they're not necessarily acted upon. So what what we looked at doing was, instead of getting the teacher to write the narrative report comments, we would use the students' reflections on the feedback process as part of their um, narrative report card, So then it's written in the student voice. The parents are able to also read work written by their own child. And it gives you a greater insight into whether the student has actually understood the content or not, because they are very honest, because they're based on the feedback they've got through the cycle.
1: I think the school burnout is the real thing. Teacher burnout is a real thing. And very often, you know, we spend so much time try to do things that stress them out and then that actually decrease the self-efficacy. Instead in a school, we should not be in that situation. The teacher needs to feel motivated and spend that time rather than writing the comments, people won't engage. Then we need to spend that to think about how can I design a better assessment? How can I get kids interact with this feedback so we can have a real genuine conversation that really promotes learning? I think that's the biggest motivation behind uh, this project.
0: What were some key recommendations that you came up with?
2: One of the first ones was about the narrative report cards, because traditionally in schools, they write narrative report cards without really questioning them. But by adding student commentaries and showing the other teachers that this could be done, it didn't really take a lot to get all of the teachers on board with this. The feedback process itself is difficult to get started. It can be quite complex. But most of the teachers are on board with it now, so that was one. Another idea that we looked at was the importance of modelling for the students. So not only modelling the assessment outcomes that they're going to achieve in terms of the assessment item, but in terms of the process itself, how can you write good comments for your teacher? If you're asking, if you're requesting for feedback, how can you construct these sentences? So we used a lot of scaffolding with the ESL students, for example, but we also showed them examples of previous students who had been successful, so they were able to see the process.
1: And through observation of the RIS class and also looking at the qualitative and quantitative students' work, one really big walkaway is by providing clarity of the criteria and the task and actually using the work samples. Students... Their anxiety actually reduced significantly because they have an idea what this looked like, and they know what's the difference between the work of different levels. So they really appreciate being able to actually say, "I'm going to achieve level seven and eight, and this is the things I need to work on. I am going to work on towards five and six. This is where I can do, and I'm going to work towards that direction." So I thought that was really beneficial to promote motivation and encourage students to develop you know, what they want to continue to be better as a next step. In 2017, when we launched this, we were kind of apprehensive. We're not so sure if our parents would like the idea of ditching narrative report cards completely or not. So we do it slowly. We do at the beginning. We say for teachers who are in a pilot program, they will put something along these lines. Your child's feedback has been provided in their learning portfolio. Please have a look at their learning portfolios. Parents at first, they kind of say, well, okay, that's different, but nobody make any objection. And then we did a second year piloting the program again. We have more teachers, Basically 80% of the report cards we really like, in order to find out your child's progress, please refer to their learning portfolio. And nobody say anything. This year, it's a whole school approach. We have everybody, every teacher, just including their course overview in the report. Then the teachers uh, include students reflection as a second part of the report, finally directed them to see their learning portfolio. And we are very nervous about parents are going to be very upset about like there's no comments anymore. Surprisingly, no parents make any comment, no sound. And they actually said, wow, that's a lot of work that the school has getting students to do. They were actually very appreciative, looking at the portfolios, looking at the learning artifacts. That was a very powerful Moment to me, you know, did they actually read the report cards before, or did they really understand the language before? So why do we spend so much time wasting time writing comments in the past and feeling so stressed? So for me, I thought that was a really successful moment. Like nobody says anything to actually see the deep under the iceberg, the learning journey of their kid.
2: The interesting thing is with um, my DP students now who have completed MYP. They, they ask me if we can continue doing it because they enjoyed the process so much because not only is it a teacher student and a student in their work process, it's also peer feedback. So we build a cycle of peer feedback into it as well. Through my interactions with the students, they've been trained on how to give concise, clear, constructive feedback. So I get them to give them to other students as well in the class. Um, and that's been a really positive takeaway from the project.
1: And I, I think overall speaking, the students responded quite well, really well to the project. Very often when they were in a classroom, the teacher told them, you need to do this, you need to complete this, you need to do this. So they were very, students have been very busy in completing assignments, but they never get the whole big picture. Why am I doing this? So the why piece is missing. By engaging them to unpack the criteria and talk about what this look like, sound like, feel like, and actually involve them in that conversation, they feel like they are part of the learning. That partnership was there. And NYP URI students, obviously, there's a sense like I'm a young adult. The teacher is including in a conversation. That, for me, is a very positive. Another thing is they also find the students find the work samples because teacher has been intentionally and explicitly provide the work samples and then identify breaking down the summative and have kids to see the relationship between different components leading to summative, they actually really appreciate that journey and to see every step I'm doing, is actually leading toward the end. So many students appreciate that, being able to see the clarity of the task of the unit, I think that's also a very big walk away from this project. What
0: are the next steps for KIS?
1: Our school strategic plan for 2020 to 2025 is developing global citizenship and further enhance international mindedness. An idea I have currently is actually, I want to test it out to what extent students can actually apply metacognition and self-regulating learning behaviors to conduct self-designed interdisciplinary learning unit, and hopefully that leading towards um, service actions to develop that global competence. So that could be an idea, but there's Mm -hmm. no clear research question being defined yet.
2: One project going forward would be to track the students as they move from MYP into DP. Alison mentioned metacognition, and this is something that we've looked very, very closely at. And as a language and literature teacher, it is one of the concepts that we look at with the students, uh, making them more aware of how they learn And I think this is another going back to one of your other questions about what the students took away from this project was that we're not just interested in teaching them. We're interested in teaching them how to learn properly and we're interested in their processes. So through this process, the students have learned hopefully a lot, but when they get into DP, we take away a lot of this scaffolding and they are left a lot to themselves. There's not as much integration of subjects in, in DP. But I end up teaching a lot of these students because I'm one of the teachers that teaches across NYP and DP. So I think a project going forward would be to track these students and see how well they go when some of the scaffolding is is taken away from them and see how well they can self-regulate and how well they can produce their work without the same constraints that they had in, in NYP.
0: This project was originally undertaken in 2017. How have those students performed in the diploma program?
1: For me, uh, it's an anecdotal note. It's from our DP coordinator. He will come to me and tell me every year he inherited better and better students. I don't know if it's related, but it certainly has some you know, influence impact on these students, I believe.
2: I um, supervise extended essay students. And all of them so far, if they've been through the pilot, they ask for the same structure. They say, can we set it up the same way? Can we have the same level of feedback? Can we go through the same processes? So they've gone from writing a 1,000-word essay in MYP to writing a 4,000-word essay over a year and a half in DP. And the students do very, very well. So there is some transfer there between the skills they've learned through the project and moving on into a larger project.
1: It does force our new teachers to grow very fast. So this project initiated in 2017, and it does require a lot of understanding how assessment work, and does require a lot of pedagogy in terms of how you implement formative for that effectively leading to summative. So as a new teacher, if you don't have MYP teaching experiences, it does make you force you to grow very very fast. So as an MYP coordinator, I get comments from students. This teacher is not giving us feedback. How do we not having the map? And so you begin to see the students using that language to describe assessment. And that's what we want, right? Assessment capability. They are able to talk about this is what we are learning, how we are learning, and this is where we're going next. And so but hear that language that made me feel excited. Our kids, our students have really got that and then they understand why they are learning stuff.
0: Do you have any final thoughts or recommendations for our audience who might be considering this type of approach to student feedback?
1: One final thought I would have is to that might be useful for MYP teachers. Very often when you go to the workshop and you know, in a category one or category two workshop, the workshop leader will introduce using task specific clarification. So when a teacher come back to their own school, they just know I need to do task specific clarification without understanding why and how do I need to unpack those and how is that linking to approach to learning skills and how does that link into formative assessment? So as a result, they will spend time creating task specific clarification, but the language they use still very vague with ambiguity and it, it's not useful to students. And through the research, I also know that students don't use them at all. They just don't understand it. So I think there's a, a big area that teachers might want to spend time looking at. What is specification and to what extent it functions and what, what is the true purpose and what's the role in teaching and learning?
2: Um, I think the only thing I would add is it's definitely worth trialing. I wouldn't go for a full school approach. I would just try and get some early um, adopters. And you got one or two teachers because it just, it caught on like wildfire at our school. At the beginning, there were only two or three of us doing it. But the students were requesting it in other classes. So they were saying, why is our INS teacher not not doing it? Or why is our maths teacher not doing it? We we want the same sort of feedback. So the students were the er early adopters as
0: well. As some of the teachers. So, where can teachers or MYP coordinators find out more about this project?
1: Well, <laughs> I, I, I like to I, I do believe the importance of sharing good practice as a way to reduce teacher stress and to avoid burnout so we can improve the teacher's self-advocacy. I have shared a lot of information, including this action research, uh, the finding, and then the recommendation in my personal blog. It's allisonyang.weebelink.com. So if they are interested, they are able to get the templates or the you know read more about the rationale of the project through my personal blog.
0: Thank you, Alison and Reese, for sharing this innovative approach to student feedback. Students taking control of their own learning is a primary goal of the MYP and the IB as a whole. This is a great model for schools to consider as they look for more effective ways to build student agency and give more meaningful feedback and guidance to students and parents. We very much appreciate your time and your insights. And thank you, audience, for listening. Be sure to check more episodes of IB Voices on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Join us next time for more insights from our students, teachers, educators, and more.